The truth is out there. But these two goofballs aren't likely to find it. You're listening to Half Cut Conspiracies. dangerously good digging this maybe a little bit more than uh the one that we had last time and oh the denver campfire yeah yeah uh, and then also, i think though we didn't do that one justice if that was smokier you think it would make a difference i think smokier and if we had proper syrup like more of the proper syrup we had maple syrup yeah but was okay it? maybe it just needed to be smokier more yeah. I mean, I, I was going to say, I'm, right now I'm liking this more than Whiskey Sours, too, which is another one of my sort of favorite drinks. Oh, wow, drinks. okay. And it's the um, the Amaretto that is just doing something a little bit. Mm. You know what? This one, I'm getting more of the lemon, and the last one I was getting more of the hint of the almond. I think that might it. be the bitters. I added a few more bitters in this, and I think that might be okay, maybe. changing the balance. Yeah, no, I uh, I like it. It makes me feel more manly. It does. Um, drinking this, I feel like I could join the Army or Navy. And or pass but any not other tests. The Air Force. No, no, that's another drink. Or the Marines. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. Or the Coast Guard. Like two things at a time here, Todd. Uh, so it's called Army and Navy. Yeah. yeah. There's a reason we're drinking it. There's a reason that we have a drink with that name, but we're not going to tell you why quite yet. Nope. Uh, but we are going to do it and say, hey, we didn't see you there. Mm. Where'd you Fancy come from? seeing you here. You we just, snuck up on us again. We just started this magnificent cocktail. Uh, we got a we got a, a beer chaser as well. Let's shout out uh, where this beer came from because it's a local brewery. Yes. What is it again? It's red uh, collar. A red collar. <laughs> yes, it is a red collar. Du- Dubel. Uh, it's the Dubel. Is that? Yeah, they're local. So shout out to them. Yeah. Um, Hashtag. At sponsor us. Whatever. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Whatever their socials are. But please, sit down. Come join us. Uh, have a beer. Have a uh, an Army and Navy. You've arrived just in time. I was about to ask Carlo a question. Ooh. A big, big, hard-hitting uh, put question. Put me on the spot. Oh, my gosh. podcast co-host here. Carlo. Good. Yes. So what is up, Todd? Are you a fan of what has become known as the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Oh, I am. Are you? I am, Yeah. I just finished watching uh, WandaVision. Wow. Yes. And I didn't quite really understand the ending uh, because there's two bonus things in there. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Like the after the thing. But I just like the movies. I don't actually really know a whole lot about the universe (laughs) stuff. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, I like it. Uh, I'm not like one of the huge followers of like all the behind the scenes stuff. But I'm sure you know. That uh, 2020 was a significant year because that was sort of the first year that we've had since the release of Iron Man in whatever prehistoric year that was, that there was not a Marvel movie released. Oh, so while you I know, didn't even think of that. The Chitari couldn't defeat the Avengers and Loki couldn't defeat the Avengers and Ultron couldn't defeat the Avengers. You know what could? COVID? COVID. Yeah. COVID <laughs> yeah. defeated the Avengers and the yeah. rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe <laughs> Um, nothing came out in 2020. So WandaVision uh, on Disney Plus has been our first glimpse at a Marvel property since I think Endgame was the last Marvel Yeah, that movie. was the end of the game. It yeah. was the end of the game. <laughs> uh, and it really was because COVID came along and made sure nothing else came out. Uh, but the reason we bring this up is because while the rest of us were at home on the sofa, kicking up our feet, uh, enjoying our first foray into the Marvel universe in quite some time with WandaVision. I'm, uh, I'm vamping as I open my notes. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> the suspense is killing me, Todd. Where are you going? To um, <laughs> someone else whose name I think is Aiken Ala was asking the real hard hitting questions specifically was WandaVision Pentagon propaganda. Aiken Ola uh, penned an article for The Guardian uh, asking that very question. And that's what we are here to ask. Was WandaVision Pentagon propaganda? And the wider question, um, has the Pentagon regularly used Hollywood as a source or as a method of producing Propaganda. propaganda. And of course, the answer yeah. is going to be yes, right? Yeah. So when you originally approached me with this idea... You, do, you sent me that article yeah. on WandaVision. I never even thought of this as a thing. Like, I always just assumed that, you know, the military was teaming up with Hollywood or whatever to 
to put together these these war films because obviously they're using like you know tanks and fighter jets and all these things like they're using equipment from the military so they have to have it from somewhere. And see, that just makes and, me feel like I've, I've been so dumb all my life because it's like in the back of my head, I was just like, there must be a place that you can just rent tanks from, right? Like, well, I, yeah, I I also thought that, but then you know, as more of these movies came up and uh, and they're using a lot more equipment, it's like, okay, well, the, and I did see some ending credit things, like special thanks to you know whatever FBI or whoever for letting us use like these places or this equipment. I just naively thought like, oh, okay, they they borrowed the equipment or they rented it from these groups and that was that, right? Yeah. To make this movie. And as I started researching into this, we'll call it the conspiracy of the military using Hollywood as propaganda machine, it was alarming at how much evidence there is uh, that points to yes. So, like, I'm I'm not even sure it's a conspiracy at this point. I think, I think it's, I like, mean, out the, in the open. That... The conspiracy would be the fact that it's just not publicly talked about. Mm-hmm. That, for the most part, it's happening right in front of your face, and you don't know. Which, in a way, that's that's the, the heart of most conspiracies. Just most of them are insane. This one. <laughs> yeah, this one. But is... maybe not. Yeah. Um, one thing that I, I was kind of tickled to learn in reading this article is that... The Pentagon has a a job uh, called Deputy Director of Entertainment Media. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He's the liaison between the Pentagon and Hollywood, basically. Like, there is someone there. And, again, once you start thinking about these things, it kind of makes sense. But when you first hear about it, you're like... What no? <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna take this even a step further back to okay. uh, like 1942. So in in my research, like it's basically from all the way from World War II is when I think a lot of this kind of started. But in 1942 to 1945, uh, or actually in 1942, the Bureau of Motion Pictures was created, I believe, from the FBI. And they, in 1942 to 1945, they reviewed, uh, I believe it was 1,552 scripts, and they asked Hollywood to revise a lot of those scripts that portrayed the U.S. as lawless or a corrupt uh, racist society, and to change it to make it look like they were basically the the world leaders. Yeah. Um, so so they they actually got in there, and that was when they kind of started this whole thing of tying the military in with Hollywood as an early propaganda machine. And before that point, uh, they were using radio and some TV um, when that when that was introduced to basically build up the citizens of the country. Uh, and I'm talking mostly uh, the states. And what they would do is, like, when their military was fighting the war, they would have either on the radio or on TV kind of filling the citizens in, like, yep, we're doing great over there, like, everything's good, here's the updates, just to kind of keep everyone hopeful mm-hmm. that this is what's going on. And so it was more of, like, a informative way of getting the information across and keeping people's spirits up. Then, uh, after, you know, when World War II was happening... That was when they got celebrities involved and movies to start promoting the like buy war bonds, um, you know, support your your local troops, do all that stuff, and then and that's where it turned from just updating the citizens and keeping the spirits up to now we need to spin the story of like we are the hero and we need more people to join the army, so let's create ads that well, they don't know are ads. That's where you start seeing, you know, propaganda too coming from places like um, Walt Disney. You know, there's a, a famous, uh, I think, uh, Donald Duck cartoon from around World War II where he like enlists and goes and kills the Japs. Um, there was propaganda from uh, Dr. Seuss around that time as well. And so, yeah, it, it becomes this more entertainment industry focused thing. Yeah, and there's actually a a quote from somebody, I don't know who did it, who said it. He must, it, say, he must have known it was, something. It was basically, yeah, the easiest way to, <laughs> the way I have it written down, because uh, I was listening to the podcast uh, as I was like writing these notes and working, 
but the, they were like, the easiest way to propaganda is when it's being delivered through entertainment. I think they said it in a, yeah. <laughs> a this smarter quote, way. This quote is not maybe actually a quote <laughs> from a guy who I couldn't bother yeah. to identify. But when you think about it, like that is the truth. Like the, the easiest way to get a message across and have it stick is oh, yeah. in the form of entertainment. Totally. And then the, the viewer doesn't realize that it's propaganda um, because it's coming across in entertainment. Hold on, there was another one. So this is, I did actually take the name of this one. Uh, so a guy named Daryl Zanax said, if you have something worthwhile to say, dress it in the glittery robes of entertainment and you will find a ready market. Without entertainment, no propaganda film is worth a dime. And I think he was like some sort of like movie executive at the time. I think he was at the time or maybe later on. But somebody in the entertainment industry has said that. And yeah. so clearly there is a tie with the military trying to get their message out through Hollywood. And, uh, you know, I guess the article that you found, maybe they were just seeing it as more overt than anything. And in the article, it did talk about, it was mostly about the FBI agent who didn't really, like, the WandaVision episodes are like 20 minutes each. The credits are like half the length yeah, of the yeah, episode. Yeah. Um, but they gave a lot of time to that FBI agent that really didn't have that big of a role in the MCU or like in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. Um, and so that was when I was going through the article, that was one of the main things that stuck out to me. It was like questioning, you know, is it propaganda? Because why would they give so much time like that's valuable to this one character who's like just a minuscule character yeah. who had like a cameo in Ant-Man or something like that. And to that point, I would say knowing enough about the MCU, I think there's something they're building up to in the future. So they're building, they're using that time to build his character or they could be using that time. And had I not done any of this research looking into the military tied into Hollywood, I could have just played it off as that. Maybe he's going to have his own spinoff or there's going to be another movie where he's the lead. Yeah. And so this is what they're doing. That Here's my thoughts on, on whether WandaVision specifically is propaganda. And I think to an extent, yes. Um, one of the things that I thought that was interesting that came up in the Guardian article was how if you're getting the... Pardon me, if you're getting the FBI involved in your project because you want them to, like, give you, or I guess let's say the Pentagon. If you're getting the military, the Pentagon involved in your project because you need fighter jets or whatever, and they want something from you, they are getting script approval at that point. Mm -hmm. So I could see them saying, because reportedly, Jimmy, Jimmy Wu, I think is the name of the FBI agent. Mm. Reportedly, he wasn't kind of in the early concepts for the show. Now, that doesn't mean necessarily that the Pentagon demanded he be put in. But I also could see them, you know, looking at a, you know, a script or a concept that didn't have him go like, well, maybe you could have like a heroic FBI guy. You already have this guy as a character. I mean, I can see just as easily Marvel. Marvel likes sticking in little bits from earlier stuff. I mean, they're the the king of teasing a little thing mm -hmm. in the in the mid credits, which they did twice at the end of WandaVision. But what I heard, or what was suggested in this article, is that the reason they wanted the FBI in there was to have uh, a positive government agency rather than the negative depictions of groups like SWORD, which is the Sentient World Observation and Response Department, or SHIELD, which is the Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division. The thing is, those departments don't exist. So it really doesn't matter if they're depicted as being evil because they're not real. Like, is anyone going to be watching this fictional show and go like, oh, man, sword, they're the bad guys. That means the federal government is the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. In real life, I don't think people are that dumb. So, yeah, I don't, I mean, I could I could see the FBI, are, you know, fighting for his inclusion. I also feel like if they were fighting for his inclusion, they might have fought for a better representative of the agency. Basically, what I found in looking into, like, the the military's ties to Hollywood is that was their whole goal was to create this positive look for the States. And you know what, actually it was more so that they wanted the U S to look good and look like a unified front in all of their movies than it was of making the military look good. Right. I mean, that was, that was one of their things in a lot of what I was reading 
about their final script approval was that, yes, they wanted the military to look good. They wanted, you know, all their agencies to be um, shown in a positive light. But at the end of the day, it was a lot to do with we need America to look like the good guys. So any of those war movies that you'll watch, you'll always notice that America is the good savior that wins all the battles and defeats, uh, you know, the Taliban and defeats the Nazis and all those evil empires or whatever. And that's that's their main thing is that yeah. they want the states to look good. And it was really interesting. I found uh, something that talked about from... World War II up to Vietnam War, it was all about like, rah, 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 the States is awesome, everything's good, all their their movies came out, you know, that yeah. that had that support. And then Vietnam it was, fucked that up. it was during Vietnam that there was a lull, and I remember seeing something about how a lot of the, the men coming back from that war, there were a lot of interviews of them talking about their experience, and when you hear a lot of that stuff... Th- they were the bad guys. Yeah. It was disgusting, some of the stuff that I came across. The way they spun that, though, in the And then, movies, of course, many of those people, too, who did those things came back incredibly scarred from having done them. Yes. Because it's maybe not what they wanted to do. It was that the pack mentality or the orders that mm-hmm. you're getting from your, your commander or whatever. And it's, yeah. And it was, so it was from that, there was, I forget what they called it, but there was a, an era of movies that came out from there that it was harder for them to just paint the uh, American military as the good guys because yeah. so much, we talked about this in an earlier episode, um, so many Americans just hated that they were in the Vietnam War, like that they were part of that and doing that. So what they did during that era of movies was they painted the the broken hero that you know came back from Vietnam and it was more about like rebuilding them and and not painting them in such a bad light. And that was also tied to the military yeah, that course. had a lot of power in those rewriting those scripts because they were using Hollywood was using the military equipment. Another thing that came from the uh, the Guardian article, the Guardian article that I thought was interesting. Um, at this point, it should be fairly obvious that uh, Top Gun was <laughs> was assisted by the military. Again, kind of obvious. It's like, where the fuck they get those planes from? Yeah, how can they afford an air, air tanker? Yeah. <laughs> used, used airplanes, used fighterjets.ca. Yeah. So yeah, they uh, in exchange for getting the jets, the, the Navy was given the ability to rewrite parts of the screenplay. And uh, as a result of the positive portrayal of the Navy, in the film, the Navy saw a 500% increase in enlistments, the year it came out, in 1996, which is huge, 500%. That is massive, yeah. yeah. So don't ever let anyone tell you that like military propaganda doesn't work, because it clearly does. There's also a list of, of the Marvel movies so far that have benefited from Pentagon assistance, I guess, uh, including Iron Man, uh, which featured uh, F-22 Raptor fighters and... Uh, part of the part of the trade was the Pentagon got to screen the movie early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, hey, hey, guys, come on, come on, we're seeing Iron Man early because I work for the government. Yeah, Captain America: The First Avenger uh, got support because obviously, you know, Captain America is a huge uh, military hero. Uh, apparently, the Avengers was poised to receive similar support, but they kicked it out because uh, they were afraid that sort of uh, the the secretive Shield agency might might. Uh, Turn people against the government because mm-hmm. it's so okay. secret. So they did not have uh, Pentagon approval, but they got it back for Captain America the Winter Soldier and then also for Captain Marvel. I don't know if that's all of them. That's all the ones that were mentioned in the article. I ha- I found another uh, website here that pull- has, says the it's the top 10 war films used as political propaganda. Ooh. And yeah, there's a few that we've already talked about and some that ca- I came across in my research that I wouldn't have thought okay. uh, up till now. So at number one, you mentioned this in our pre-chat, Birth of a Nation. Oh, that, wild. Yeah, yeah, that was in there. Uh, so, I guess, uh, yeah, I mean, it does paint, well, it's... It's very favorite of, of the like the South. Well, so yeah, here's what it what it says here. One of the first great propaganda films, Birth of a Nation, yeah, I mean, portrays the Ku Klux Klan 
as valiant defenders of society, yet struggling to fight the good fight against the evil blacks uh, that marred the South. So yeah, that was... That's uh, quite the movie, you guys. Uh, you said it was, what, three hours? It's three hours yeah, in a silent I'm, film. I, I'm not ever But you know what? It. It's, it was surprisingly engaging. Uh, I would not have expected a three-hour silent film to sort of keep my attention like that, uh, but it, hmm. it did. Oh, well. Um, I'm not recommending it because it's, it's <laughs> it terrible, super bullshit, racist. super racist uh, propaganda. Yeah. But uh, as a as a like an experiment in what people were yeah. making movies about, in I guess I should have started from the tenth and worked <laughs> my way up to one. Starting from the most the <laughs> yeah. most propaganda, um, it's weaker gonna, and weaker yeah. as we go along. We're gonna keep going this way though, because that's why not. Uh, that's why we'll just decide halfway through. It's like okay, the rest of these are boring. We'll yeah. just move on. Um, okay, number two, the Green Beret. Yeah, it's the uh, definition. It's about a sentient yeah. green beret that moves around <laughs> murdering people after the war. Uh, is it? No. That's no. what that remake's going to be about. Yeah, okay, cool. Well, there you go. Um, it. So, yeah, that one, for whatever anyone who's seen it, that one's on the list. <laughs> that one's on the list for some reason, doesn't say. Uh, it does. There's, this one's a lot longer description than the other Okay, uh, I was trying to on, throw in okay. some levity because we haven't had many jokes yet. I, I, um, trouble getting ooh, okay, let me hold on. Yes, no, I'm going to read this okay, because it two. ties into another note that I have. Uh, so the Green Beret is the definition of insidious propaganda. The film was brought into being specifically because John Wayne was bothered by the anti-war sentiment within the country in uh. 1968. And this is why it's familiar because it, I believe it does have something to do with the Vietnam War. Which I am now going to look at my note that I made on this because I believe John Wayne, yeah, he actually went to the U.S. government to ask for help to make this propaganda film about the Vietnam War. Um, and part of the deal was, yeah, he would get the, you know, props and um, military, uh, what do I, I don't even know what this word says. <laughs> Mil- it's, it looks like boxes, but I don't think the military just has boxes. <laughs> we just need some boxes. I mean, <laughs> yeah. we could go to the grocery store um, and get some, but you've got some too, right? Uh, but yeah, yeah, they were they were provided by the Pentagon and uh, the Pentagon retained final script approval. And I believe it was because of this movie um, and John Wayne and a lot of stuff that I was looking at, he is like their wartime yeah, yeah, hero yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of uh, Hollywood. This is also the time, though, speaking of like um, John Wayne going to the government and being like, help me make propaganda. This is like also the time that Elvis Presley went to like Nixon and was like, make me a, a special drug enforcement agent. And what? have you not heard this? No? Like <laughs> Nixon kind of like special deputized Elvis to be some kind of drug enforcement agents with like probably zero actual powers. But it was like, <laughs> we'll just pat Elvis on the back and be like, sure, you can help in the fight against drugs, buddy, whatever. It's, what the <laughs> hell? Okay, that's... It's like, it was a different time, I think. <laughs> yeah, anyone could ask the government for, for anything, anything if you were right. a celebrity. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, number three on the list is the TV series 24. Oh, that makes uh, sense. Yeah, I remember watching that show and thinking it was so cool, but so not realistic. Like, but also, though, doesn't he, isn't he constantly torturing people? Not constantly. I mean, <laughs> I mean every only... once in a while he's in the office. <laughs> <laughs> right, but it seems like if that if it's going to be like pro-government propaganda, you wouldn't show an agent who's out like fucking breaking Geneva Conventions all the time. Um, but yeah, this one was, I think... It, be, it had a lot to do with, like, the 9-11 attacks. Yeah, that's and, true. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, it was, you know, a feel-good thing for the states <laughs> to be, like... As long as yeah, we can torture people to get yeah, the news right. and save people. Uh, I was really interested in the, like, the concept of, like, one... Like, every episode is a... A day. A day. Yeah. No, every... <laughs> every episode is 24 minutes. Every episode is an hour out of a 24-hour day. Oh, is it? Yeah. That's why it's called 24. Oh, yeah, right. And it's 24 episodes. Each one is an hour in sort oh, of like okay. real time. Oh, and then, yeah, at the, pre, at the commercial yeah, breaks, like, they would like... Dick, 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 dick. Oh, okay, that makes sense. You've seen the show, and yeah, I'm explaining the concept I know. to you. <laughs> I, just, I haven't seen it in a while. Um, and like, I like that I, that concept, but once I started hearing like what it was actually about, I was like, this, this sounds like propaganda to <laughs> yeah. me. I'm not interested. <laughs> Number four on the list, Winter Soldier. Yeah, it's a 1972 documentary that features oh, the not test- Captain America. The no, not, yeah, I know. When I read that, I was like, oh, but then the cover looks way older. Uh, yeah, no, it's a it's 1972 a documentary, documentary features the testimony of American soldiers detailing war crimes in Vietnam. And this is one that I remember hearing some of the, the Vietnam accounts, but then I think they 
spun it in a way. Like, this is where I think they, you would hear the soldiers talk about the weird shit that they did over there that was, like, really bad. Yeah. But it was where they kind of spun things to be like, these are our broken heroes that, you know, we need to save whatever. Anyways, I think that's how they kind of spun that one. But yeah, this one was all about Vietnam. Number five, Black Hawk Down. Uh, number six is Red Dawn. Uh, the original or the remake? It's, I believe, the original. I don't know. 1980-something. Yeah, yeah, 1980s. That's, yeah. Yeah. Russians I mean, that were reduced to evil character. surprise me. Yeah. But man, that brings back memories. I uh, I went to school with some people that like thought Red Dawn was like predicting what was going to happen and they were constantly ready for like the 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 russians to like invade and they were like they were ready to like grab their guns and like run up into the mountains and hide and i'm just reading one of these yeah this is exactly like what this paragraph is saying so it says red dawn is so over the top ridiculous that it's difficult to know where to start most absurd is the idea that these teenagers with no formal military (laughs) training uh, are able to take on the soviet military by themselves and win and win totally Yeah. yeah It's, I mean, it's, it's obviously so super propaganda, but in a way, I guess when I, when I watched it, or I think when I watched it or in my memory of it, it just seemed like that was the general American mindset so much at that time. It's sort of the 1980s Cold War. um, And it's like, we have to win this culture war against um, the USSR by proving to ourselves that we are stronger, better, and I want to say we, I mean them, because mm, I'm not American. Yeah, we're not but, American. But yeah, it was... It's, uh, um, that, you know what? Okay, um, pause from the list, because <laughs> oh. that room, I, I, there's another note. Man, I've got like these notes all over. i got to do a better farm. job. of Yeah, I've got Animal Farm is one of them, but... Um, oh, yeah, I think this is what it is. Okay, so Animal Farm, I haven't read the book or seen the movie, but... From this one podcast that I was listening to, basically the whole premise is the pigs end up like taking over the house and they're yeah, supposed it. to be the um, like it's that's supposed to be like communism. And I think like in the book, it was the pigs was, that end up was, like rising up. It was specifically about the Russian Revolution. I'm pretty sure this is the note that I'm thinking of. And it was all about like communism, right? Because they're yeah, like Russians were kind of look going that communist front. American was more. Well, of see, the- this is this is where I think I, this is why I say it's specifically about the Russian Revolution, because once you start talking about communism, you've got so many different things. You've got communism as the idea, as proposed by Karl Marx, that I don't think has ever been actually achieved done, or right? yeah. achieved. And then you have communism as it was. Uh, under um, Stalin, because um, mm. I think that's Stalin and Trotsky were the ones um, in in Animal Farm and in the um, mm. uh, in the Russian Revolution. So it is communism, but only in a in a filtered down sense, mm-hmm. not not general communism. It's about the specific kind of communism that happened. Okay, in so I think uh, yeah, maybe it was more to that communism. Um, in either case, I'm just being annoying and pedantic. But. Well, but but in either case, the the book itself, I think Orwell's idea was that um, you know these pigs had an uprising and they defeated the beasts. Well, it wasn't just like the pigs; the... it was all the animals, right? So the idea is that oh, okay. all of the animals rise up against the their, human, the humans, okay, right? And 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 it's I guess what it's really showing, if we're going to say communism, is it how in the way that it played out in Russia, communism didn't work because it starts with yes. Everyone is equal. All the animals are equal. And that's basically what the end goal of communism is, that everyone Mm -hmm. is equal. And then over the course of it, the pigs are the ones who start kind of taking advantage of things. They're like, Mm. oh, someone needs to be in charge of looking after the food. Well, yes, we'll take care of that. And then mm. while they're the ones taking care of the food, of course, they're the ones also Skimming getting from extra. The top. Yeah. yeah, okay. Um, and in the end, you know, sort of the famous ending is like, uh, the, after the revolution of the animals, somebody paints on the barn wall. It's like, all animals are equal. Uh, and then at some point near the end of the book, someone has gone in and altered it to add the line, but some animals are more mm. equal than others. Oh, and that's the okay. point where um, at the end of the book, I believe it's been a long time since I read this. But I believe the other animals look into this building where they see the pigs 
making uh, a, a deal with humans. They're shaking hands with the humans, making some kind of arrangement with them. And and basically what the, the narrator says is that they couldn't tell one from the other. So, okay. Because I haven't read the book or seen the movie, but when I was listening to this podcast talk about it, it was basically that the ending of the movie was changed from what the book was mm. to be that the humans and are, I'm not sure, like, are you positive I'm, that that was from the book or from the movie? I'm because, positive that's from the book. Oh, okay. All right. Cause in the, it sounded like from in the movie that humans ended up basically kicking the animals out again and taking over or something along those lines, because it was tied to like, they were trying to show the American people that well, you can defeat communism. Communism doesn't work, and capitalism is the way to go. Yeah, whatever they were trying to push in I that mean, movie. I, I think but there the, was a ch- there was a change from the actual ending of the well, book. Well, I mean, if the humans are kicking the animal or taking over the farm again, that is a su- significant change. Mm-hmm. Um, because the the message of the book, I think, is that communism, as attempted in the Soviet Union, didn't work, and that's that's the end. That's, that's that's full stop there. Not that capitalism defeats them, <laughs> yeah. which I think once you have yeah. the farmers coming back, it would be that message. That's interesting. Um, that's but yeah, it was actually so the, the CIA. It was the CIA that secretly purchased the rights to the script shortly after Orwell Holy died. Fuck. Yeah, so it could make script changes to advance the American cause Man. during the Cold War. That's what it was. Yeah. Of all the kind of books to like, yeah, I, the only one I think that would be almost worse to like over propagandize from the government is like 1984. <laughs> yeah. Right, same author. Like yeah, that would be totally. like the the worst. Let's buy the rights to 1984 yeah. to make government control of everything seem awesome. But like the the fact that they would like secretly do that, like they obviously had some sort of agenda. I'm also thinking control. about covering Animal Farm on banned things too. So oh, okay. Well, that would be good. Yeah. yeah if anyone else uh, wants to email us about more details of that, they might know of Animal Farm at Half yeah. Conspiracies on any of our and social if, or Half Conspiracies at gmail.com. If any of my memories of a book that I think I read in high school are wrong, <laughs> yeah. uh, feel free to email and correct me on. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was like uh, it was Snowball and Another Pig. I can't remember what the name of the other pig was. And I can't think about Snowball without thinking about the movie Clerks. <laughs> I haven't seen the movie Clerks. Haven't you? No. No. I should watch it. You should. Uh, Do you want to, for, for like, <laughs> I don't take perhaps, you want to know what a snowball is in, in reference to Clark? Maybe you already know Oh, is it's snowball. A oh, yeah, yeah, I know what that is. Okay. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> um, so, number seven, um, I'm back to the list. Right. Act of Valor. Um, and it's an action film that was made in cooperation with the U.S. Navy that profiles the Navy SEALs. Does it have Steven um, Seagal in it? Uh, I don't know. It doesn't say who's actually in it, but... Um, uh, yeah, many of the actors within the film are real-life SEALs. And that was the other thing, is when I was reading about what's provided... Chris, I'm imagining that you... Starring Steven Seagal in 12 SEALs. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, yeah, something interesting that I, I didn't even think of. Because you, you always see... Uh, the like the military equipment yeah, and yeah. you you know like that's real equipment but then you just think anyone else that's in the shot is probably an actor right yeah, yeah. Or some sort of extra yeah. um yeah part of sometimes what they the military will provide is actual uh, military personnel um and sometimes it's just their military expertise on like how, how to hold a gun yeah how, how yeah. all that stuff I can see that. so yeah it was just interesting learning that little tidbit so yeah, that was one. Uh, number eight, Top Gun, which we kind of talked covered, about yeah. already. Which five hundred percent increase in uh, Navy applications after yeah. that. So clearly, <laughs> it worked. <laughs> it was funny earlier today. I was talking uh, to one of my coworkers about this episode, what the topic was, and I had come across uh, Top Gun in yeah. my research there. And I couldn't remember the name though, and so I was like, "Yeah, you know uh, the Goose and the Maverick." <laughs> Should it be called? <laughs> yeah. And she's like, what, like a bird film? What? Uh, yeah. They're making a new Tom Gunn movie. Are they? They are. Oh. Like, of all the things we didn't need. Well, I mean, I guess the military just... its You know what it is? It's Tom Cruise. It. Tom Cruise just can do whatever he wants. Wait, is he in it again? Yeah, totally. He's still... What is he, Goose or Maverick? It's no, he's Maverick, m- isn't he? M- Maverus. Ma- Ma- Maverus. <laughs> yeah, though, yeah, no, actually, the, the one trailer I think they've released from it, that's sort of like the, the whole thing is like he has... 
He's refused any kind of upward direction. <laughs> well, he, he, no, he's refused like promotions to become like you know not a pilot anymore. Oh, and it's okay. like you're getting too old for this game, Mavergoose. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I, I do what I want <laughs> at Mach Five. Yeah. My um, reflex skills are still good. I, you know what, I I think Tom Cruise is insane, but I have enormous respect for the the way he throws himself into his film stunts and stuff. Oh, well, I he does love, his own stunts, yeah. Yeah, those Mission and, Impossible movies, I love them, and I, you know, I yeah. would not be climbing outside the tallest building in uh, whatever that... Uh, at, uh, I don't know, the the world? Probably, but it, <laughs> there's also a country that it's in. But, you know... Mission, oh, Dubai? Dubai, yeah. yeah. Um, of course, I'd be afraid that, like, the supports wouldn't hold my weight. But, <laughs> I was going to um, say, I'm pretty sure he's, like, tied to stuff. Yeah, like, well, he's exactly, doing his own exactly. stuff. But, yeah, he's not saying, just like, still, I'm going to climb out this still, window. things happen. It, yeah, that's you true. You know, and, uh, yeah, so, um, makes entertaining films. I'll, I'll tell you that. Um, okay, here's one. And, and this makes more sense as to why I started at number one, because they were more, like, overtly obvious. Uh, number nine of ten is... Rocky Four. <laughs> of course it is. Wait, does he join the army in that one? No, but it's oh. a, it's the whole movie is about how he like goes to Russia and punches communism in the head. Yeah, but it's not like military. It's anti-communist propaganda. What, guess, what else is yeah. the military doing at that point? The military can invade Russia. What yeah. they can do is they can send Rocky Balboa to Russia. <laughs> To, like, punch communism in the head and then, like, give a speech at the end of it about how great America is and then it ends on the freeze frame of the fucking textbook propaganda. Okay, fair enough. Uh, What about this one? Number 10, Casablanca. Did you know that one was on the list? No. Would you have put it up there? No. So here, okay, here's a little, it's a short description. Yeah. So this 1942 film, it, often hailed as one of the best films of all time, was actually backed by the War Department because of the film's pro-war stance. Uh, America was largely indifferent to involvement in the war's early years. Oh, okay. And films like Casablanca, which showed Humphrey Bogart taking a stand, were given assistance by the military for helping to shape public opinion. Uh, as war film propaganda goes, Casablanca's contribution is fairly uh, innocuous. Still, the overall popularity of the film and its little-known history as a tool of the American military to change mind warrants its inclusion See, on the list. I think it's interesting because in order to really understand that, you would have to know the exact sort of timing and climate that the movie came out in. To watch it now and 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 not think about when it came out, it seems like an obvious sort of message because... As far as the war goes, like, World War II is going on in the mm-hmm. film. And, uh, uh, you know, um, Humphrey Bogart is anti-Nazi, <laughs> which just seems like a good <laughs> call. <laughs> right? And that's the thing. Like, yeah. you watch this movie, and he's like, this guy and, like, the people in his bar are, like, they're opposed to the Nazis. Um, and it's like, yeah, okay, that's pretty obvious. You wouldn't need propaganda dollars to do that. But if it's happening while the war is going on, um, especially if it's before the U.S. is involved in the war, then yeah, it's maybe a more daring, very like message. subtle, but yeah. yeah. And so that yeah, that was right around the time when the military was starting to make ties with Hollywood. Interesting. Um, yeah, in 1942. Um, so that's the the top ten list that I came across. I thought it was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so thanks for coming on that journey with me. Woo! While we're talking about you know, the history of the military being involved with Hollywood, I was a little bit shocked while going down this rabbit hole to learn that Walt Disney was an FBI informant. What? Which just feels like it feels like that's madness. But um, it it's not. He he, he turned in communists uh, in return for the ability to film inside FBI headquarters. <laughs> okay. Which yeah, it's like yeah, yeah totally man, yeah. Uh, and here's the thing. Not only did he was he a a, a, a snitch. In quote me, Walt Disney was a rat. Call him Ratatouille. Um, <laughs> That's what the movie is based on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's a very subtle. It's like and uh, then then the military could do script <laughs> revival. Right. It's like how the the Shining with Stanley Kubrick uh, admitting to the moon landing. <laughs> yeah. Except the military took that over too and erased yeah. all those subtexts. They changed it. Here's the thing. 
Disney was so good at being a rat, he was made a full special agent in charge contact in 1954. What? He was, like, promoted to, like, the upper echelon of FBI rats. And, you know, admittedly, this is the time, this is, like, during that communist (laughs) era. FBI rats? I feel like they call it something else. (laughs) Oh, informants. Just informants. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Clearly showing your bias. was a rat. Yeah. Because that was the time that, like, yeah, I mean, people were being uh, blacklisted yeah. in Hollywood because if they see had, something, say something. If you see something, say something. Yeah. And if you don't see something, also say something, because maybe they'll come for you if you don't. I also have a note here that um, Hollywood had more uh, influence than just military stuff in, uh, in their films. Um, I, it's just kind of a side note. Um, that they also influenced religion making its way into the government in the 1950s. That's not surprising. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah, I thought when I heard that, I was like, yeah, that's interesting and makes a lot of sense because before that they didn't have in God, we trust in their mo- on yeah, their money. Yeah. And there's uh, a and lot it, of people in the U S who don't know that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. We're one nation under God. We're a God. We're not. It's like, no guys. Yeah. Nope. And that was, yeah, Hollywood had a big thing to do with that, tied with, you know, whoever, probably the Pope or whatever had script yeah. approval on something. But. I mean, the American Pope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they got to use the Vatican, so, they, yeah. Um, I've only got two more things I kind of wanted to touch on. Um, this this bit from, from the article, a quote from the article. Marvel and Disney's long histories of collaborating with the U.S. government, in particular the FBI and the Pentagon, to create propaganda... In exchange for military equipment, location access, and consultation is reason for concern. So, some context here. Um, I am currently reading a a history of Marvel Comics. And so, when I see the word Marvel, I don't always just think of, like, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think of the Marvel Comics entity dating back to, like, 1963. Mm. And so, when you say that Marvel has a history of, like, working with the government in exchange for military equipment. I'm thinking, like, why does this comic company need fucking machine guns? And I'm picturing, like, the writers and artists in the Marvel bullpen, like, boo, look what I got! <laughs> Which I don't think is what the article intended, but who knows? I haven't I haven't gotten to that part in the uh, in the history of Maybe Marvel yet. Maybe it's something to draw from, right? Like <laughs> right? Still yeah, that's like, fair, yeah. yeah. Um, although there was one point in the history uh, that I have yet where they did actually get some uh, 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 involvement from the government. There was a point in, I think, the 70s that uh, the government reached out to Marvel Comics and said, can you guys do uh, like an anti-drug message in your comic? Mm, okay. And so they did in, uh, in Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, they had this, I think, three-issue series where uh, this character, Harry Osborne, who is A, Peter Parker's best friend, and also B, the son of Spider-Man's uh, archenemy, because it's yeah, comics, yeah. Um, ends up addicted to, I believe, like pills. So like uppers and downers. Ooh, okay, yeah. Uh, that sort of thing. And he gets kind of all fucked up. And what's interesting about that is um, in order for them to do the story, as was requested by the government, they needed to uh, publish those issues without approval of the Comics Code. The Comics Code being a thing, I don't think it exists anymore, but at the time it was sort of like the uh, the ratings board for movies. Oh, okay. It would give you approval based on certain things. And at that time, there were some pretty strict rules about what you... Could and couldn't do in comics. The thinking being that comics are largely a uh, uh, a medium for younger people. And so okay. uh, you don't need to have things like drug use and yeah. sex and mm. violence. And so, yeah, they uh, drug use was forbidden under the Comics Code. And so they were like, okay, well, we're going to do this. And we're not going to put the Comics Code on these issues. And F you guys. And I remember... Uh, probably in the 80s they published a, uh, a re-release of those three issues that I bought at the time when I was a kid mm-hmm. um, but I imagine in the 70s when it was first done it was probably kind of I'm like the first of its kind as I'm looking through my notes here I've got one that I'll read the, the, like the quote in air quotes uh, no other country pumps out as many films glorifying their own military as much as the states 
and that's according to someone who works at a university. I didn't get the guy's <laughs> name, but it was, uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the States does, like, they, yeah, they like to glorify their own military, yeah. and in all of these movies that we talked about, it's all about making the States look good. Uh, and then again, is why some of those ones from the list that you mentioned, I was like, oh, yeah, that's pretty yeah. obvious, yeah. Yeah. I was curious um, to see, like, one of the things that I was thinking about, when, as soon as you talked about, like, military involvement in films and, like, skewing the military to look good, uh, I was thinking about Apocalypse Now, which I don't think has any element of making the military look good. And, uh, but I could be wrong. Uh, maybe, yeah, you just didn't read into the subtleties maybe of it. Yeah. It's basically about a guy in Vietnam who slow, slowly goes crazy while looking. Have you seen it? I, um, no, I haven't. Man, no. There's so many good movies you haven't seen. I know. We need to just do a watch We party need to do day. a movie podcast yeah. where I force you to watch <laughs> movies week after <laughs> where week. Just all the audio is just the movie. Yeah. And then it's us, yeah, reacting to it. Kind of going back onto like the military having creative changes to scripts. Yeah. Somebody made a comment on this, and this is probably that uh, that someone who works at a university. <laughs> um, um, so in so Saving Private Ryan was all about like the the D Day um, landings. That well, whatever, I mean that's the first or, or twenty or minutes. Or yeah, whatever. it's okay, really so it, about how like because this family has lost like five kids and only one of their children is left in the war. Now the U.S. government is going to drop everything and be like, <laughs> let's save that man, Ryan, uh, which is kind of dumb. But All right. Well, in that opening scene, the opening where, scene is pretty, yeah, yeah. where they all um, where the D-Day landing happens. They basically rewrote history to favor the American army when they were Spielberg, you've got you got an answer for this. Yeah. And it was just interesting hearing that, that they wrote out the other countries just to make themselves look good. Like it was not just them that was there. No, right? I mean, I haven't seen Saving Private Ryan in a long time. I, I haven't, either, but I'm just going, yeah, going by what the, the have you seen Saving Private Ryan? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I did. Uh, I don't know. It wasn't like super. Memorable <laughs> You're just pulling this out. Have, you don't want to be caught again, right? No, I have a horrible memory. Yeah. That's, Maybe you, you saw know. Saving Ryan's private. So you're confused. The, that could be. Yeah, yeah. That's why I'm a little confused. Cause why were there so many <laughs> naked people in it? <laughs> on Normandy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't remember that. But no, from, from this interview that I was listening to, that was the question was like, there was no real reason that they needed to rewrite that history to yeah. fit their narrative of the yeah, that's weird. We'll we'll have to look into this. Maybe I'll I'll Google this after, and if it if I'm not right about this at all, I'll cut it. But just the way that this guy was talking about it, and he was like a university professor, a guy at a university, yeah, right, or a student, I don't know, some guy, <laughs> yeah. Um, was that they? Yeah, they cut out the other countries that were involved on that. Uh, my like my instinct would be to say that like maybe it just seemed that way because. They were focused on the handful of characters that were going to go on to be the rest of the movie who were mm. American. Oh, okay. And that it's kind of implied that there might be other countries there. But it's, again, it's been so long since I've seen it. I wasn't yeah. watching it looking for that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I'd really like to know more about that. Because yeah. I, I feel like, on top of that, that Steven Spielberg might be one of those filmmakers who is in a position to just say, like, uh, no, to the Pentagon. Uh, I feel like the Pentagon would be like, well, then go buy your own military equipment. He could probably. He's fucking... He's, uh, yeah, but that cuts into the profits. I mean, at the end of the day, he's a capitalist just like everyone else in the he? States. Yeah. Is he? I'm pretty sure. Probably. Yeah. Um, and then also, a uh, fun fact, uh, just as like I'm ending uh, my Ooh. notes here, uh, J. Edgar Hoover uh, created a show called The FBI in right. Color. Right. Yeah. I did not know about that. <laughs> I remember uh, I remember that. I mean, I, I don't remember because I don't think I was there for it. But I remember seeing the reruns of these shows that would advertise in killer. Yeah. Because that was <laughs> like the big deal. I didn't know if that was the title. Part of the title? <laughs> or if that was the I advertising. Think sometimes it's officially <laughs> yeah. part of the title. But it sounds like you drive past, or it used to be, maybe it's not anymore, you drive past those old motels and it's like, color TV! <laughs> a phone in every room! It's like, we've yes. got Wi Fi. <laughs> That's kind of what it's turned into now, yeah. I guess. <laughs> If you, gotta need, if you need to point out the Wi-Fi, you need to update your signage a little bit. Oh, yeah. 
So anyways, I'm at the end of the my Speaking notes. of Hoover, though, that does remind me oh. of there was this one thing that came up when I was reading about Disney and Hoover and the FBI. And uh, uh, there was uh, there was a movie, I think from the 60s, that Disney made called That Darn Cat, which I think is uh, is is ready for a remake, a hard R remake called That Fucking Cat. <laughs> But it's basically about this FBI agent who somehow gets turned into a cat. Okay. And then has to continue his investigation. There was a thing about these things in, in like, the 60s, 70s. There was, like, the shaggy dog, a guy who, like, dies and comes back as a dog. And then there was that darn cat. Animal reincarnation. Animal reincarnation was a big thing. (laughs) Okay. And I guess at one point, um, there's a scene where this cat is, like, digging through the garbage looking for something to eat, as cats do. Uh And uh, what's the FBI's name again? Uh, John Ed- or J. Edgar, Edgar Hoover. 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 <laughs> Hoover. Yeah. <laughs> he was known to his friends. Yeah. Uh, a famous crossdresser, by the way. Uh, not known at the time, but it's come out since. Yeah. Really? J. Edgar Hoover was big into crossdressing. Oh, wow. Man, okay. you need to like. Anyway. I know, yeah. <laughs> so apparently, horizons, yeah. apparently, though, uh, he took offense to the cat digging to the, through the trash because it, like, it uh, it did not reflect well on FBI agents. And it's like it's a cat. Like he but can't. It's a cat that's representing <laughs> the, the FBI. FBI. You're right. You're right. But still, like it's not like he can go to a restaurant and order a meal. <laughs> not with that attitude. Anyway, he, he requested that bit be taken out, but oh, they, wow. they didn't. Oh, okay. Well, he didn't have guess enough they power were, at the time. Yeah, I yeah. guess they were like, you know what? We don't really need the huh. FBI logo for this movie, and we're not going to require any fighter <laughs> yeah. jets. It's about a fucking cat. <laughs> so, screw you, J. Edgar. I want to see that movie, though. Well, that's all my notes. Um, I de- As I was research, so when you presented this to me, I think I mentioned this at the beginning, I thought that this was going to be a more of a conspiracy of like the government trying to hide their involvement in Hollywood as I was looking into this it's not advertised but it's blatantly there that all of these military movies are pretty much propaganda I I think the fact that it's not advertised is enough for it to literally be not really there like for my part I did not like I've watched a lot of movies that smelled like propaganda. And my assumption was always this is a director who just really thinks America is awesome. Never was my conclusion that the government yeah. had their fingers in that movie to be like make sure that America looks awesome. But the thing is like in everything that I was looking up, it's not hidden that the military has final script approval. No, it's not. Yeah, but so, no one's asking those questions though. That, which yeah, which is why most of us don't know about it. So I like I yeah, hundred percent feel that this is real. Yeah, it's not a conspiracy. It's uh, well, I guess a conspiracy in the way that they're just trying to downplay it. Um, so people don't start to question the motives of these films. Well, because and propaganda the doesn't work anymore. Once yeah. you know it's propaganda. Yeah, there, there's some shady shit going on in Hollywood um, and trying to recruit people into the military by making all this shit look awesome, yeah. that so America is the best. You've and, got a different lens to watch your Hollywood blockbusters Yeah. So next time you're watching uh, any like Avengers Let's Marvel say, uh, movie. Yeah. Falcon and Winter Soldier, which is uh, coming up in uh, in one week. Question everything. Question everything. That's <laughs> yeah. going to have, that's definitely going to have yeah. some uh, some propaganda in there. I'm not going to lie, I, when I've watched some of those movies where they make the military look awesome, I have thought to myself, like, oh, that would be so cool to, like, fly the flighter jet, or flighter jet, flighter jet, <laughs> the flighter jet, the, the flighter plane. jet, and, like, just, like, launch missiles and Be a shit. goose or a maverick. Yeah, right. Uh, and that was totally me being a sheeple. And the propaganda machine got me. Yeah. But now I know, thanks now to Now you will not be one of those fools who's going to sign up to join the Navy after watching the new Top Gun movie. <laughs> yeah. Starring Tom Cruise as Mavergoose. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. That's it for me. That's it for I, me, too, I think. Okay, well, uh, I guess we should uh, promote our shit. We got oh, shit. Speaking of shit. Shit. Uh, not literal shit, but I... So, as I'm at work, I listen to a lot of podcasts, mm. and... 
It's funny that a lot of them that have like adult content or whatever, or any swearing, and I think one of your other ones also has the little preamble. Oh, about, Dave does that. Yeah, on, yeah. Like we got swearing in this one, so you know, cover your ears or whatever. We have never done that once. Like we've got our explicit. Tag, so yeah, that's exactly my thing. That's <laughs> yeah. exactly my thing on this podcast and on uh, when bad things bad happen to good people. I, they're they're both labeled as explicit. And I've always taken that as carte blanche to just say whatever the fuck. Because really, like, that's that's what the tag should be, right? Yeah. Like, you know what? Yeah, kids shouldn't be going to Do not listen to this with content. your families. Yeah, I just thought Please. it was funny that, like, the, the one I was listening to didn't have a whole lot of, like, explicitness to it. See, I would but they wonder, had that tag. I would wonder whether or not, like, do they have. Do they have the explicit tag when they're giving that oh, warning? Yeah. And are they doing that as a way to skirt the explicit tag? Because the explicit tag is going to affect the number of people who listen to it. There are people who are oh. going to block out explicit tagged We should shows. turn ours off. <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah, we're on Facebook and Instagram at Half Cut Conspiracies. So uh, give us a follow and check out some of our posts. And... Yeah, we're uh, thanks to Carlo. Mostly, we're we've been uh, kind of busy on Instagram lately. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to get more stuff going on Instagram and keep it uh, interesting. I would love to help, but I hate Instagram. <laughs> you can you can take care of the Facebook side of things. Okay, because uh, I haven't figured I, out how to link those two together. I, I hate the fact uh, that I have to post Instagram on my phone. It's okay. So just do hard. the Facebook then. Yeah, right. So anything on Facebook is Todd. I'm Instagram. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can also email us at halfcutconspiracies at gmail dot com. Uh, so if anything we said in this episode was wrong, or in a previous episode, or you just want to say hi, and also. Now's a fine time to mention that we're thinking about creating a regular Q&A feature on our Patreon. Mmm, yes. You send us an email, ask us a question. We'll answer it in like a video, and it will put it on Patreon. Yeah, so then you I have don't to care pay what money, the question is. Anything. It doesn't even have to, to be, it doesn't have to be about conspiracies. It doesn't it have to be about conspiracies. Whatever you want. It can be what our most embarrassing moment was. It can be what yeah. our favorite food is. It can be what our favorite drink is. It can be what our least favorite member of the Bangles. Oh, I know that band. But I was going to go for the Spice Girls, but I couldn't think of the name for some reason. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also, uh, check out our website, which will one day have all of our links. But what we should have mentioned while we were talking about Patreon is the Patreon oh. link, which is patreon.com slash blah 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 media. Yeah. What Todd said. Uh, where you could, yeah, support our show uh, for a monthly subscription and get bonus content. Or if you want to just give us a one-time donation, there's also buy us a coffee. Buy me a coffee. Buy me a coffee. Buymeacoffee.com slash blah, blah, blah. And our website, blah, 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 media.com. Mm -hmm. And in all of those blah, blah, blahs, it's B-L-A-H, B-L-A-H, B-L-A-H. Yes. Uh, and hopefully I will get off my ass soon and get all of those links on the website, uh, we were supposed to. Uh, I we <laughs> while I'm busy. <laughs> we're a team. This is such such like uh, this is a game like shifting responsibilities. I started by saying I need to do this, and then followed up with we were supposed to, when it was entirely me the whole time. <laughs> so, oops. Oh, well, we'll get it. At <laughs> Apparently, some point. I'm good at like shifting blame just automatically. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, I was supposed to have like all of our our socials and links, and everything else on on the website. Didn't get it done quite yet. Yeah. The goal is to just basically be like, go to our website, to our website for all of these links. Everything's yeah. there. Yeah, one day. Uh, we also have some merch that uh, you can support us if you want and wear some interesting cool random stuff. stuff. Yeah, yeah. shirts. Uh, we got phone cases. We've got uh, mugs. Yeah. We have a cool USA sleeved shirt now. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, uh, I've got some other ones in the works that will make their way on there at some point. Uh, the website is shop.spreadshirt.ca forward slash blah dash blah dash blah dash media. But yeah. you're going to say those are hyphens. Aren't they you? are hyphens. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So it's B-L-A-H hyphen, B-L-A-H hyphen, B-L-A-H hyphen media. Um, um, but as my Nona used to oh, say. Oh, but hang on. I got to oh. quickly, before you do that, I, I should um, I should shout out the a couple other shows that I do Ooh. super quickly. 
Um, there is a show called uh, Mysteries and Madness that I do with my friend Dave Coleman. Ah, great show. Yes. It is a, um, it's basically a, a, a role-playing game that we play. It's in the 1940s Los Angeles. I'm a detective, uh, but I'm uh, uncovering mysteries around the Cthulhu and Lovecraftian mythos. It's very creepy. It's very cool. Dave has put in some insane degrees of sound design and engineering. It is a super interesting podcast to listen to. It, like, it just sounds, listen to you playing this sounds game. Sounds like a radio drama. Uh, yeah. I uh, want to play it. Go look for Mysteries and Madness. Uh, and then I also have a podcast called When Banned Things Happen to Good People. To do with my friend Oren Barter. We read banned books, watch banned movies, and then we talk about them. Uh, we just finished covering uh, what has been called the Bible of the Racist, right? A book called The Turner Diaries, which the is the worst book the ever. Worst I listened to that I series. Oh read. my God. Thank you for reading it because yeah. I do not want I, to. I, I, we were reading it, so you didn't have to. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's when bad things happen to good people. Check it out. Um, as my nonna used to say yes, tell uh, us. back when I was younger. Avere il braccino corte, mm-hmm. which uh, roughly translates to uh, to have short arms. So I'm not sure what he was getting at there. <laughs> That's it. But uh, I guess my arms are short. So <laughs> anyways. Is this from an Italian Tyrannosaurus Rex? <laughs> I think so, yeah. Maybe I had some weird defect as a kid. I don't know. My arms are like seem normal length to me. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> That's been Todd Sullivan. That's been Carlos. Thank you guys for listening. Until next time. Cheers. <laughs>